Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 190. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? Thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, we have to thank today's sponsor, Hot Schedules. Since 1999, they've been laser-focused on giving restaurants the best tools to help us manage our people, improve productivity, and they do it all from a platform that fits your business. Visit go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable to learn more. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Elizabeth Parker. Elizabeth, are you feeling unstoppable today? About 90% of the time, yes. That's good enough. I'll take it, Elizabeth. (laughs) Elizabeth Parker started working in the restaurant industry during high school and college, but she fell in love with the industry at Ripple. She went on to master her professional career working at Rose's Luxury, and today, Parker is serving as front of house manager at Crane & Turtle in Washington, D.C., where she oversees the restaurant's wine and beverage program as well as its social media. This is an extremely huge aerial view of who you are, Elizabeth, and what you've accomplished. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, but before you do that, let me get the motivational, inspirational ball rolling by having you share a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Um, I thought about it a lot, and I think for me, it's kind of make every day special. Mm. You know, we get a lot of celebrations in the restaurant, and I think every restaurant does, and that's wonderful, but I think if you're just going out on a Tuesday, like it should be as special on a Tuesday as it is on your birthday or your anniversary or whatnot. And I think that goes, that, that speaks to an exceptional restaurant, not just an exceptional dinner. Mm. And it's so true. I mean, I think that's one thing we forget that we have the ability to make a day special for so many people. Um, and how many industries can you go into and work where it's your job just to make special days? And that's just a great way to look at what we do. I mean, how does that sing to you? I think it's fun. I think it's something like I get really excited about every day and it's something that definitely keeps me going. And I don't know, for me, it's also a safety net from getting jaded. Sometimes I'm at I mean, industry events and I hear other people talking and I don't know, it makes me Makes me sad a little bit because they almost sound like that they resent their guests rather than like are so excited that they get to do this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's something really like beautiful in being able to serve other people and you know give somebody. Like, you mean you're really giving them something, even though it's a transaction. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely awesome to be able to have your product be an experience and to deliver happiness and it's so special but let's learn more about uh how you got into the industry uh give us some snapshots of you know the path you took to to get to where you are today it was a wind, it's a winding tale <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i um in high school started working at this cafe and a spa um where i kind of was the jack of all trades i had to make the food and i had to make the coffee and i had to do the drinks and i did the service and whatnot um, and that's, you know, very much like a, a system of pampering, you know, it's already built in. You're at a spot for the day. You have, you know, everything has to be a little over the top, 
but I think um, more so it started with my my mother was a retail manager at a sewing shop growing up, and I on weekends and after school would be like as my mom referred to it, the shop brat, who um, <laughs> worked the cash register and things like that. And watching my mom, you know, especially because there's a lot of mothers making clothes for their children mm-hmm. or making special occasion clothes and christening gowns and, you know, whatnot. Watching my mom and that personal interest that she took in all of her clients and how invested they got in each other's lives, even though they were virtual strangers, mm-hmm. you know, I think that stuck with me a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, worked at that cafe and it was fun. I learned a lot. And then in college, you know, got a job working in a restaurant and I'm a workaholic. So, you know, like, I'm going to work here two days, so I'm going to work eight doubles in a row. And, um, and really enjoyed that too. And the same thing, I was there for three years. So watching my regulars kids go from being a baby to like being a person, things like that. And awesome. being invested in your coworkers lives and. I yep. love it. I love Great it. stuff. Yeah, I loved it for a while, and then I'm now I'm back. <laughs> Great. So, I mean, when did you know, Elizabeth, that this was going to be more than just a job, a temporary job? I know. I mean, what did you go to school for? What was your focus in college? Um, my degree is in French language and literature, um, and secondary education and so, entrepreneurship. So <laughs> now you're working in the restaurant industry. So when did you make the pivot? Like, when did you commit to this industry as a career? Um, so I went, I lived out of the country for about six years and taught for several years. And then I worked in photography for a long time. Um, and then when I moved back to DC, I took the job at Ripple, um, and was still doing photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love doing photography and I was doing photography mostly in food. Um, and I was kind of splitting my time between the two and then about, I guess, Two to three weeks into the opening of Rose's Luxury, um, it was a really intense time. You know, we'd been working seven weeks in a row, you know, 15 and 16 hour days getting it open. But like, there's kind of just like a moment where I could make people happy all the time. And I was, Mm. I was just all in at that point. I mean, was there a moment, a specific moment that you remember where you just had this, like, just like, like awakening or an aha moment where you said, you know, this isn't just a for now job. This is my career. I love making people happy. Um, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a specific time or anyway, I can't remember like, the date or like the second. But, you know, I think it was just kind of an overall feeling. Even the first three weeks, we would have people come back over and over again. You know, at the end of the night, like people wanted to give you hugs. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't just like a one-off, like, oh, a really friendly person or anything like that. Or you had, you know, maybe, you know, like I said, like not a birthday, but just consistently people wanted to hug you goodbye because they had such a wonderful time. Mm. And I was, like, I was like, I want this all the time. <laughs> and I enjoyed, it's the thing I miss most about teaching is like, the, like kind of like constant affection and unconditional hugs of like, you know, five-year-old kindergartners. Yeah. You know, like this blatant, like happiness. Oh man, I love it for sure. So um, if you could just give us like w- one purpose, one why, like what is it about this industry? And it sounds like you're kind of already saying it. It's just that ability just to, to deliver happiness and have that, you know, happiness just be your, your form of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, currency, I guess. <laughs> what would you say? Like, what is your why? What's your purpose? <laughs> it's addictive. Um, yeah, I would say, um, it's coupled with that, but then also, People who are all in, you know, for the most, like, they're just so passionate. And 
Um, it's own, you know, it's a very tight knit group of people. Even if you've never worked with each other, everyone has each other's backs. You know, obviously it's, it's business and there's competition to say, but I mean, it's really a rising tides kind of situation and trying to make everything better every day and best yourself every day and being around people who want the same thing, whether we work in the same style of cuisine or your five-star restaurant or you're like the great sandwich shop on the corner. Like it's, it's just really fun to be a part of. Oh yeah, for sure. I love it. So let's get some of your it factors, Elizabeth. If you could just like narrow it down to a handful of it factors, traits, characteristics, habits, you think most contribute your success as a hospitality professional, what would they be? Well, I think one might just come by by like default. Uh, I'm Southern, so um, <laughs> hospitality. Uh, it's just not. It's not a skill. It's not something that's a developed talent or it's like a series of steps. You know, like if this, then that. Like it's just a way of life. You know, and it's just. You know, and people. You know, I live in Paris, and then like I moved here, and people like a lot of my friends make fun of me because I say hi to everyone on the street. What's and, wrong with that? <laughs> apparently, it's not, you know, and things like that. You know, I say hi to him in the grocery store, but you know, my my grandfather, he definitely he just like never met a stranger. He knew every person working at any of like the shops you you know were regular at, whether it was the grocery or you know, he knew the women's like the names of their kids at the county clerk's office, where he would go once a year to renew his vehicle tags. <laughs> All right. He just, like, he was just naturally that person. And my grandparents always opened their doors to anyone and everyone, like, you know, friends of friends of friends or whatnot for dinners and for parties. And that's who I was raised to be. And it's not something I could turn off even if I wanted to. But, I you know, I don't want to turn that off. I think I wish more people, like, now I feel like, I don't know, people are a little more insular. Mm. Even living in a, a big city, like, treating it more like a small town, I think it's important that we all still have connectivity with each other yeah absolutely so right now for your it factors this is that you know natural born into you sense for hospitality and connectivity uh what else do you have for it factors that you think really just drive your success in this industry um as far as other things go um you had mentioned your work ethic Oh, there you go. I'm like, oh, I'm like, thanks for giving me. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm definitely, like I said, a workaholic. I always have been. I've gotten a little bit better about not overextending myself mm. um, over the years. You know, like when I was younger, I used to just work myself to death and be like doing the summer three jobs and and things like that. But you know, once I'm in something, I just really kind of put my head down, and you know, it's really hard turning off. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it's extra hard for industry people because, you know, what do you do on your day off? Oh, we'll go out to eat, you know, but it's hard to put blinders on and not be watching everything around you and listening to guests and be like, oh, they need a napkin. <laughs> you know? I totally hear you. I went to a wedding like, a few months ago and I found myself clearing tables, clearing empties off tables and running them to the bar. And I had to <laughs> stop myself like, what are you doing? Relax. But I he- totally hear you. It's hard to shut off. Yeah. So, but um, as far as that goes, yeah, like think you know, the work ethic, it's also in a restaurant scenario, you're not, I mean, you, what you do, whatever you do, whether you're, you know, the person that cleans the restaurant during the day or you're the dishwasher or you're the executive chef, what you do directly affects everything else happening in the restaurant. Yeah. So there's that sense also of, you know, I couldn't lay down on the job if I wanted to. 
Awesome. I love it. So let's move on and talk about a time where one of these it factors really just shown through with the story. Can you bring us through a time, Elizabeth, where your hospitality, you just brought it to the next level, like where you just displayed incredible service and warmth to somebody? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind um, at Rose's Luxury, where, you know, I used to work, we had a private roof garden and it's a... Um, it's one seating a night. It's for you know, eight to ten people, and it's an extremely hard reservation to get. Three weeks in advance, a whole you know five days worth go live, and they're sold out in sixty seconds. Okay, like we've crashed, we've crashed servers. It's nuts, um, and it's you know it's a, it was a huge compliment to the restaurant. So it's the very last night of the roof garden before we closed for the season, and we get an email that afternoon from the people who got it. And uh, they said, hey, do you mind if we bring a cake? You know, and I think a lot of restaurants people are like, what are, you know, like, we have dessert. What are you talking about? Yes. And they're like, and do you mind if we bring a photographer? Like, because this is going to be our wedding reception. What? <laughs> yeah. And so All right. they apparently had been, this was in, I think, October. Um, they apparently had been planning their wedding for May. But then they told, you know, it's going to be a small wedding, obviously, like 10 people, um, just with their very close family. And they had told their family they were planning it, like, in a venue with caterers and all this stuff. And they said, we will be getting married on, you know, May 14th, unless we can get a reservation for Rose's Roof Garden. And if we do that, you guys have to get on a plane. You know, we'll give you three weeks notice. Oh, wow. So, so we're just like, well, this is crazy. Uh, <laughs> And so that was really fun because then it was like, it's go time. We have to make this like the best night for these people ever. So tell us about the night. Bring us through the moment. How would you pull it off? I mean, I think I bought out every candle in like a mile radius. I'm like, I'm surprised I didn't set the thing on fire. <laughs> you know, we made it like ridiculously special, like as far as like candles go. And we like got flowers and decorated and, and whatnot. You know, it's already a special night up there. It's like a really like interesting and secluded and like you know special night no matter mm-hmm. who you are what you're going on but you know we did all kinds of extras for them um and then at the end of the night we gave them gift cards to come back on their anniversary oh, cool. uh, you know we just kind of went over the top with champagne and bubbles and you know the photographer you know kind of allowing the photographer full access to the restaurant not just like their private area so he could go get pictures of the, like the chefs making their food and those people and I ended up staying in contact for months and months and months like even like jokes and stuff we were talking about during dinner you know like we somehow talked about sloth I don't remember how <laughs> like once a week they would send me like a funny picture of a sloth <laughs> you know and I think it's like those kind of things like we didn't have to do anything more than we already do you know like they paid us our money and like this is what we promised to deliver and there you go but I think the fact that we kind of we got on board as much as they were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we're just doing this. Like we were, we were all in. We were super excited. I mean, what about this experience touched your core the most? Like, what really sings with your heart when you do things like this? Well, I think I mean it was a huge compliment to every other day that we had worked. Mm. Every minute that we were there till four o'clock in the morning, trying to make things better, or you know everything else that we had done that had gotten it to that far that somebody would reschedule their entire wedding and make people make last minute travel plans because that's where they wanted to do their wedding. Yeah. And I think, I think we take it for granted. Sometimes we show up to work every day where you're at this place day in and day out. We forget how special our jobs are and how 
impactful they can be on someone's life. This is someone's wedding. This is someone's wedding reception. They have people, friends, family traveling across the country for this one moment. And you get to create that moment and make it last forever in people's memories. And that's so special. And it sounds like you really love doing that. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, you know, like I want everyone's experience to be special, whether it is a celebration or not. So the fact that, you know, I think it was like every meal that we, you know, I feel like it was every meal, the culmination of things that made them know that this was going to be a special night, but not because they'd been in for a birthday or anything Mm. like just, they'd had like a really good dinner there. Yeah, well, you've told a great story of how you just your genuine hospitality really shone through. But now take us through a time, Elizabeth, where you failed and fell hard on your backside. Uh, and tell us how you got back up after that failure. Well, my I think my biggest failure actually doesn't isn't in the hospitality industry per se. Um, That's fine. I mentioned earlier that I did photography and I worked as a photographer for a long time, and my focus was food and culinary culture and whatnot. Um, and when I moved to DC through a very series of very fortunate events, um, like food network was one of my largest clients. Oh, they wow. came around town. I, and I got to meet, I got to meet a lot of people very quickly in town. So DC became my home in rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I really kind of fell in love with what was happening here. You know, it wasn't like, a big sea of things like New York and it wasn't like too small of a market um, where everyone was just kind of on top of each other. And like just DC has like a lot of soul once you get to know it, once you get away from like the museums and the monuments, mm-hmm. it's just a lot going on. Um, but, um, and I really loved what I did. I really like, I enjoyed it when I was shooting and talking to people, but I had to leave it behind um, at the end and I had to walk away from it just for my own well being. Um, you know, I'm a, a social person, obviously, and then, but being a freelance photographer, you know, when I'm not shooting, I'm sitting at home, like, working on a computer and editing photos and emailing and whatnot, and being, like, that isolated, like, like pretty seriously depressed. Mm. Um, and I, you know, at that point had gone with a lot of pomp and circumstance, I won't lie, you know, saying, oh, I'm done with serving, I'm leaving the restaurant business, I'm doing this full-time, very, very publicly announced this. So for me to, like, even think about going back on that was going to be in my mind, a very public failure. Mm -hmm. Um, so it took a long time. And then like the biggest part, like I was already, you know, feeling isolated and alone and whatnot. Um, but then the constant, constantly being asked to do my work for free or at a discounted rate or in exchange for gift certificates or being told, Oh, it'll be good for you. It's just exposure. Um, coupled with like where I was already in like a not so great place, like gave me like just all this self doubt and just kind of made me feel like my work and myself, I was just worthless because nobody was giving me the, like nobody was wanting to like actually give it worth. Yeah. I hear you. Business, But it was also like people who I'm friends with and people whose businesses I support. And Mm. so it really, like, it just was a really dark and dead, dead time. And so like I had to really look at myself and make some, you know, some hard life choices because you don't want to give up and you love the things you love. But it was, you know, like I love this, but like, is this the best thing for me in the long run? And I'm like, I walked away. Yeah. No. I, one thing I kind of want to, you know, focus on right now is how you said you, you know, you left the industry and you kind of did it with like, you know, a big exit. Like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. You know, I'm gonna focus on my career, my photography. And then you said you you had to go back. 
And I think that's one thing that happens to people who get into this industry uh, because, you know, it's their for now job while they focus on what they're really trying to do. And then they get to where they're going and they realize that's not right for them at all. Like for you, your example, you're just depressed. You need to be with people that FaceTime. You need that. But then when they make that decision that they're not happy doing whatever it is they're doing after they left the restaurant industry, they're almost ashamed to go back because that's not a real job. But it is. And the thing is, only a certain amount of people can do it really well and get a lot of satisfaction from that work, from making other people happy. So, I I mean, I think the lesson here is just to embrace what you're good at and, and embrace this industry because it's... It's a very special industry, and you can. There's a lot of satisfaction, a lot of reward. What do you think about that? No, I definitely agree, and you know, and I, I do get frustrated. People like say, "Oh, you know, like, oh, I got a real job, I'm leaving." Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think mine yeah. was like, "Oh, you know, my photography is doing so well. Like, I can finally devote all my time to that. You know, like I can finally go full time." It definitely this is a real job, and this is a real industry, and it's something that not everyone can do. Exactly, and to, to do it well. Um, and to be happy. And if you can do those things in this industry, it says a lot about your character. So, I mean, I think just, you know, uh, embrace it and celebrate it uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So we've crushed the first half of this interview. We're going to dive into the second half, but we're just going to take a, a quick second to thank our sponsors. Hands down, one of the biggest challenges in this industry is finding passionate people who are skilled and fit our restaurant's culture. That's why I ask all of my guests how they hire and how they retain their employees. This is a real struggle, which is why I'm really excited to tell you about Hot Schedules Recruit. Unlike other job boards that force you to spend hours shifting through unqualified candidates... Recruit makes it easy for your employees to refer someone to you. You can rank candidates, message them, and do all of your recruiting from one spot. Plus, it integrates with hot schedules. In this service industry, everyone knows everyone. Recruit helps you find great people and reward your employees at the same time. If you want to learn more about hot schedules recruit, get a demo or talk about pricing, head over to go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. That's go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. Go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. All right. Elizabeth, Pete, and I are back. Uh, I was just informed that Pete is hanging out with us, too. That's Elizabeth's cat. So say hi, Pete. He's <laughs> <laughs> a man like that. All right. All right. <laughs> So the first question I have for you, Elizabeth, in the speed round is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get started? I would say, you know, and it's something I haven't had to do yet, but it's definitely constantly in the back of my mind for future plans Mm. is I think, you know, you have to find your champions, like your cheerleaders, Mm. Um, those who invest their time and love into what you do, not just, you know, not just their money, but like just their absolute like unconditional love. For like for what you're representing, um, and you want them in your corner more than just financially. You know, and they they will drive business to you, and they will advertise for you, and they'll find other investors for you. So even if it's somebody who can only give, or you know, cares to invest, even you know, a share to a half share, you know, nothing major. Like they can be invaluable 
infinitely on what else they provide. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, sometimes you, you never know. You, you touch so many people in this industry, and you never know who you're talking to and what connections they have. So just keep that in the back of your mind when, you know, when you're just – you know, obviously you want to be hospitable and you want that to be natural. You don't want it to be fake, but you never know where there's going to be an opportunity. So just treat everyone with that same, that same, you know, this could be someone that helps me make my dream come true, you know? Yeah, definitely. Any other advice on this topic? You kind of said something about like, but I think sincerity as well. I think, uh, I think people are savvy and people are more and more sensitive to when people aren't being full face value. Yes. And I think that, you know, if you're going to do something, be sincere about it. Not just, I mean, obviously it's business and you want to take opportunities where they arise. But if you're, if you're not, you know, if you don't believe fully in what you're doing, then you don't have any business asking for people to give their money to you. Yeah. And I think you're talking about sincerity is really important because at the end of the day, when people are, are investing in you, they're investing in you. Usually because they like you or they want to they want to see you be successful. I mean, yeah, you have to have the numbers, you have to have the business plan there that makes sense. But at the end of the day, when they're going to fork over the money, it's you. They're investing in you. Um, so you have to be transparent, like you say, and sincere and, and honest. Because I mean, it's uh, it could come back to bite you <laughs> for sure. All right. So the next question I have for you is uh, when you got your your you know, you got the capital, you got the funding, now it's time to get people on your team. What's your advice for finding good people? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? Mine is, I mean, and maybe it's an unconventional, I don't know, but mine is be patient. I feel like people say, oh my gosh, there's a hole, I need to fill it. Okay, you'll do just fine. What happens when you're not patient? What can happen to you? You you get just fine. I don't want to work with just fine. Yeah. I don't want to give my guests just fine. Um, That's... So I, yeah. Does it lower the standard, do you think, if you just keep on putting just fine in? Well, yeah, because, I mean, maybe you have exceptional and then you have some just fine. And, you know, at the end of the day, that averages out. And exceptional is going to get tired of, you know, dragging just fine along. I want all exceptional. So um, aside from just being patient, what other advice do you have to protect yourself from settling with just fine? Um, I think, you know, being very honest and very forthcoming, I mean, interviews – they go both ways. And I don't feel like a lot of people, I think people are like, how can you help me? And how, you know, but honestly, like I want you to want to work here and I want you to really think this is the right place for you because for lots of reasons, you're going to give better service. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more pleasant to work with. You're going to stay longer. Uh, You know, it's a large investment training someone, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in restaurants, you know, you're going from a server wage to, you know, you know, minimum or higher wage during that training time plus tasting food plus tasting wine yeah. uh, plus the you know the you know the cost of you know the manager's time and other servers time and kitchen's time um so you want the person that's going to be there and it's going to stay um so i think just being very very open about this is what the job is and this is what we expect and i always have people come in and observe the service i want you to see who we really are what this is really is and I tell people, I'm like, I, you know, I want to see like how you fit in here. But I was like, more importantly, I want to see if you want to fit in here. Mm. No, and that's, I, that's so important. Yeah. No, I think it's just that that match in culture, that match in vision to make sure that because, like you said, like it, you want people to to make sure they they want to be there because they they want to 
they have to come to work happy. If they're not happy, then it's just going to skunk everybody else around it, around them. So, I mean, that is so incredibly important. I couldn't agree with you. So when you get these people, I should, I should say, I couldn't agree with you more. So when you get these people in your door and they're happy, they're working for you. I mean, how do you keep them happy and keep them on your team? Um, I think you find ways to tap into who they are and what they love. And, you know, I think um, people, when you actually recognize people's talents and not just recognize them like, oh, in the back of my head, I know so-and-so really likes, you know, flower arranging or whatever. Like, not just know that, but to say, you know, hey, I, you know, is there, like, I know you really love doing this and, like, would you be, you know, would you be willing or interested, you know, in helping us out? Or, you know, like, I thought this would be a good really opportunity, you know, to do X, Y, and Z. What, what uh, happens when you recognize those talents? You get seen as you. You're not just the server working that section that night or you're not just the host. Because, you know, I just don't believe in that. So, like, I know you as a person and, like, I'm, I'm invested with you. Not just on a business level, but I'm invested with you emotionally because we have a relationship. Like, we know each other. Yeah. And I love how you talk about bringing out the strengths of others. And one of the things I've just learned is so many people are successful in this industry because they're constantly looking to put people, you know, in the right seat on the bus, in the right lane where they can bring the most to the team. And you might have somebody who is like a social media whiz or whatever or just an a natural like photographer or maybe they could or they're a web designer you know that you never know where you're going to be able to find somebody and plug them into your restaurant to bring it up a notch you know you're making them happy like you say like you're giving them a chance to express themselves but you're going to be better in the long run because now you're leveraging all these strengths to make your restaurant as a whole better so awesome stuff anything else you want to add to that well i think you know and they're more invested and committed to their stuff there's ownership that just naturally occurs you know, I mean, even even in small little tasks, you know, if you give somebody like, oh, you know, we're slow tonight, we're going to do some projects, you know, honestly, like the person that like cleans out and rearranges the drawers that, if, you know, we end up like junky with, you know, paper clips and whatnot, all of a sudden, like they defend those drawers with their lives. Yeah. Like no one messed this up, you know, and, and whatnot, you know, and I mean, all the way to somebody who's, you know, got responsibility for doing inventory or things like that, you know, and like keeping that organized. So they, they're, you know, they have an investment, but also, I mean, everyone has such varied backgrounds and especially now where people have had, you know, typically people have several career shifts in their lifetimes and a lot of people don't work in their college majors, you know, but they all have these different experiences or knowledge that come into play that really can create something, you know, it deviates from the plan and the plan was probably a good plan, but you know, now we've got something extra special just because of like this strange genetic makeup that just got created naturally by our hiring. Yeah, for sure. And I want to share uh, something I found online uh, discussing you and your new role at Crane and Turtle. You left, you left Roses and Luxury and you're talking to the ownership there or about the ownership ownership there and you said i think it's a testament to aaron and the management team that they foster creativity and growth that then inspires their employees to push their careers forward i look forward to doing the same at crane and turtle so talk to me about what you meant when you said that this um well i mean roses is a like lovely little magical utopian place to work they're very very generous with their staff uh not just Financially, I mean, you do get full health benefits and things like that, but they're very generous 
and being open to listening to ideas or saying, oh, I want to do this. And, you know, they say, okay, go. And, you know, obviously it has to be in line with branding and the philosophy of the restaurant. But, and they're also very supportive of learning new skills, you know. I and, you know, another employee really wanted to further our wine knowledge. So, you know, we kind of were talking about, oh, we're going to take our SOM test and whatnot. Um, And I said, okay, well, you know, if you pass it, we'll reimburse you for the cost of the test. It's a $500 test. Wow. You know, they didn't have to do that. We were going to take the test anyway. But, you know, and things like that. And as far as being very, very supportive in that way, you know, to make further us and further our careers. You know, we've had lots of people come through in back of the house who came through and staged or came through and you know, worked the line but have moved on to different areas or move on to different places. And, uh, you know, they, you know, if they know they're going to city and they've got connections, you know, they call ahead and, you know, they they could be a reference on a resume and just Absolutely. kind of sideline. Oh, yeah. But, like, for them to take time out of what they're already a crazy schedule to, you know, help them – for their next step, I just think is really like, you know, it's a testament to who they are. Like you can be whoever you want to be. The cast of characters, especially on the front of the house side are so different. If you're going to sit with server a one time and you sit with server B, you're going to get a wildly different experience, but all in line with the same philosophy. And I yeah. think fostering creativity, like that's really, I think that that's something that they do really well there. Yeah, you know, fostering creativ- creativity. Then the other the side, in, which is just personal growth and, and pushing careers forward. I think the, probably one of the best ways to keep good people in your restaurant is to try to push them out of your restaurant, but to the next level in their career, or whether it be within the restaurant industry or uh, whether it be connecting them with somebody who can help them with whatever, whatever, whatever it is they are passionate about. But when you just push people like in the right direction, you help them grow personally. It always comes back around somehow, some way, usually in the form of a referral or, you know, having somebody like just good people, they, they run together. Um, and when you just invest in those good people and you grow professionals, every once in a while you get that one professional that hangs out forever and they just, they're passionate about what they do, but it's only because you push them to be, to, you know, to leave almost. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> I feel like, you know, as far as the next move in my career, uh, Paul Ruper, who's the owner of Crane and Turtle and several other really wonderful places here in D.C., um, you know, he is definitely that person as well. Like, he finds the right people and puts them in a job and lets them go. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, you know, just says, Go do this. I have faith in you. You know, and obviously there's checking in and whatnot, but like kind of knowing that someone has like they hired you for a reason and they they want you to do well. You know, and he's constantly finding ways or you know to to push and push and push to make people better without being micromanagey or whatnot. Like he's just very supportive. Yeah, I love it. Great stuff. So the next question I have for you is on the topic of like what you see coming on the horizon. I mean, what are some of the struggles that are, you see coming down the pipe for the restaurant industry, and how are you, you know, bracing for the changes or whatever it is that has your attention? Well, I know I said you should be patient about hiring, but <laughs> that being said, I mean, DC is growing in leaps and bounds. It's yeah. insane. I mean, there's something opening every day. I used to, I mean. I used to know what's going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like every day someone's like, oh, have you been here yet? I'm like, what is that? 
it's, you know, it's just insanity. I mean, I think it was two years ago, we had over a hundred openings in a three month period. Wow. So So, are you saying like the struggle is just staying relevant in such a, a world of ever change? Well, there's relevance. I mean, I mean, DC is very, very supportive. Like I said, it's a really great community. Everyone's supportive of each other. Um, you get these champions, especially DC being very neighborhood based. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighborhoods really support what's happening there. Um, more and more people are moving here. More and people are starting families here, which it used to be a very transient city, and it's now becoming more of a permanent city. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are more just overall more attached to what's happening. Yeah. So what's the challenge? What are you, what are you afraid of? What's the, where's the struggle? Well, the talent in front of the house and back of the house is spread very thin right now. Um, it's across the city and new com, all these new concepts that are opening. Um, and also like as the best and the best grow in their careers, um, one, they're moving out of like the great bartender role. Now they're a beverage director. They're, you know, we can't hire them anymore as a great service because now they're a manager. Mm -hmm. We can't hire them as a GM because now they're a director of operations over an entire restaurant group. Mm. Or a lot of times they're moving out into different markets to work with new chefs, experience, you know, getting to work with new ingredients, different styles of service. Um, So it gets harder and harder to find people on the level in their career track that you need to fill certain roles because... You know, they're already spoken for. And it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely like a buyer's market. Like, they know that we need them more than they need us. Yeah, for sure. So what are you doing to prepare or to be competitive in such a uh, a market with slim pickings? Um, I mean, you know, I think, yes, staying relevant is a challenge, not only as far as business goes, as far as, like, who's walking in those doors, um, but also staying relevant that you're doing something interesting and ever-changing, you know, especially when you're not the new hot kid on the block mm-hmm. that attracts people, you know, that your rep- your that your reputation is something that people seek out and want to work with, whether you, you know. So you're saying instead of going out and seeking others, be so awesome that others seek you. Yeah, I think that's really, you know, I think why I don't want to work at a place that's just, you know, that doesn't have that reputation. Mm. So, so what, what are you doing to stay so relevant and so fresh? Like, why would I want to come work for you? Um, we're doing some really fun things. Uh, we had, like, this summer of events that was a really good time. Um, some were, you know, pop-ups, but then others were classes, and then we've done a lot of wine dinners. Um, we partnered with Bar Tsukare, which is a team, Eddie and Jesse, um, have a deep, deep, deep love of sake and Japanese whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, they're insanely knowledgeable and very geeky about it, and I love them. Um, but so we did a whole series all summer where we would do whiskey classes, we would do sake classes that then Crane and Turtle did food pairings with. Um, we did a few nights where we just transformed Crane and Turtle from our you know little cozy twenty six seat restaurant into a, a Japanese whiskey bar. No, you know, I'm curious. Do you ever do like an event or like a pop up where maybe one of your employees, whether it's a shoe chef or somebody uh, who's passionate about something, would you create a pop up or an event around their passion? Well, Jesse's one of our hosts. Oh, okay. Yes, (laughs) that's so cool. Yeah, so we did that. We've done um, some really fun wine dinners. We did one that was all focused on women in wine. 
Um, so these really interesting women winemakers from Portugal and Spain um, who are doing some really innovative things. Uh, we did one that was not all that sparkles is champagne. So it was a bubbles wine dinner, but with no champagne was allowed. So what I'm hearing is that you create these events, these pop-ups or these, these classes around the passions and the interests of your people so that they stay fired up, so that they stay fueled and that, you know, they talk to their friends and it, it, you really sound, it sounds like you really have your employees' best interests, you know, behind everything you're doing with these classes. And that's really special. Yeah, we have a really great time, you know, and also partnering strategically with new, new people on the block. Um, you know, there's this really wonderful, uh, bass cider bar that's about to open, um, called Angel and they, and they're actually going to be DC's first cidery. They're going to make their own cider as well. Um, and they've been doing a series of pop-ups all around town, um, and in different formats. So we invited them in, you know, we're closed on Mondays and they came in and their chef and their team took over crane and turtle for a night and did a big cider dinner. Um, you know, even though that wasn't us per se, you know, but it's fun getting people into our space and getting, you know, they get to know us a little bit, um, as well. And then, you know, we love the cider guys and we're so happy to work for them and support what they're about to do. Awesome stuff. So what's one book, Elizabeth, one book you would recommend for our listeners to just, whether it be a personal growth book, a business book or a restaurant industry book, what do you have for us? I didn't do a book. I was like, I did a show. (laughs) I'm so tired when I come home. If I read a book, it just ends up falling on my face. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. I mean, is there a resource, an industry resource you can share with us? I I really like right now. I've been watching a lot of uh, Chef's Table on Netflix. Oh, okay, cool. It's a it's a Netflix original series, and they go and seek out these really incredible chefs from all around the world, and it's very informative. But it's also just beautifully shot. I mean, mm. the photography me comes back out where I'm like, it's just so pretty to look at. <laughs> um, so, what's one takeaway that you'll get from watching this Netflix series? Well. It's not like a cooking show, and then it's not like, oh, you know, this is my favorite seasonal ingredient, and I'll tell you a story from my childhood cooking with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much talks about their personal struggles in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very much a storytelling program, and, you know, whether it be that their restaurant failed or that their marriage failed or that, you know, they worked so hard and created this restaurant and got all this funding just for their, you know, chef hero to come in and tell them the food wasn't good. And where do you go from there? Mm, I think, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many just incredible stories of just sacrifice and hard work in this industry and what what people go through to get to the top. I've heard of that. It's it's chef's table, correct? Yes. I've heard of that before and I I need to re-up my Netflix account so I can start (laughs) watching it because it sounds like really interesting. Yeah, I have to, like, find a time where I'm, like, really focused to watch it. So, you know, because it's about 45 minutes, and I tried to watch it sometimes when I come home from work, and that didn't go well. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. And let's talk a little bit about technology. Um, it's been said that technology can just be an accelerator of systems, processes, procedures, where you can just really close gaps and become more efficient, more productive, more profitable. So what's one way... Uh, you're leveraging technology in your restaurant to be more productive or to be more efficient or to increase communication. Like, what's one tool you can recommend? Um, 
I have two. Um, one is we use breadcrumb as our POS. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's actually made by Groupon. Um, and it's an iPad-based system. Um, it's very, very user-friendly. It's very interactive. Um, you basically can make it whatever you want. Um, and it's smooth You, as far as limiting your time on the computer and you have more face time with your guests. Um, and so you're not you know, putting in orders and having like a struggle every day. Like I've had with other systems. Um, it's just very quick and, and it's also beautiful in the restaurant. It's very sleek. Mm. Uh, their customer service is second to none. Uh, it's free customer service 24 seven. Um, they're absolutely wonderful. So what uh, are some of the benefits to going to a tablet based POS like you have? Well, what, I mean, our restaurant is teeny tiny. We have 26 seats. Um, I basically can walk anywhere in the restaurant in about eight steps. Okay. Um, so we had a huge, you know, POS system. I set it on top of a cash box, which we hardly ever have cash sales. And, you know, it was this big thing taking up three feet on our mm-hmm. server station. And for us, it was, you know, and it also was didn't work well. And the customer service was terrible and, you know, and whatnot. And it was kind of in no-brainer switch you know we got great customer service and, and you've got three feet now of extra extra space um just for uh, like us to be able to do our work more efficiently and it fits our aesthetic more you know we we're all white and blue and this is like a beautiful white ipad and a white stand and it you know it it doesn't take your eye away yeah i know it totally it sounds way more aesthetically pleasing and just the efficiency I, i've heard great things about it too and i think they're after they're even offering like a $500 referral program right now too. They're really getting out there. And so if you guys, if anybody's out there and they're, they're interested, make sure you say Elizabeth Parker told you about us. So she gets hooked up. All right. (laughs) They also will buy back your old POS system. Oh really? Credit for that too. So you don't have to worry like, Oh, I've, you know, forked out all this money to buy this POS system. Like they'll buy it for you. Yeah. I think putting in your cell phone for sure. POS systems in the past five years or just two three years alone are just you know improving with you know whenever the technology improves improves the 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 things in our industry also improve and i think we owe it to ourselves to really stay fresh and it's becoming more and more affordable too some of these tablet-based pos systems are like a monthly plan or something i mean do you guys pay by the month or is it a one and done no we pay by the month yeah so it actually yeah we pay by the month but so you don't need thousands of dollars up front to opt into one of these programs. You can very easily work it into your budget, and it might be easier than you think. So definitely look into it. Yeah, and if you talk, if you call them, Mackenzie's lovely. Yeah, McKen- Mackenzie? We love Mackenzie. All right, it's a shout-out for Mackenzie. <laughs> All right, so what's the other service you had in mind? Um, I use um, Improvonia, um, but they're actually about to change their name to Blue Cart, and it's an inventory management app. I mean, they've got a dashboard online, and they also have an app on your phone. Um, and you load in your entire order book. I mean, you could do everything in your whole restaurant. I, you know, I manage the wine and beverage program, so mine's all the wine, beer, and liquor. But it took my ordering from, you know, at least forty-five minutes to an hour oh, wow. down oh, wow. to maybe five minutes. Wow! I mean, that alone. What do you do now with that extra forty minutes a day? I would like to say that I sleep, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I work on, I work on spreadsheets and, uh, you know, you get to work on, you know, well, I get to taste more wines and make more strategic wine decisions, you know, and 
and just have more time. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that's you know really important. Whenever you can invest in a a service that buys you time, it pays for itself because now you can use that time to focus on the things that matter, whether it be training your staff or just paying attention to your staff, finding out what what makes your staff tick or just improving a system or a process. But when you can buy time with technology, um, that's when you start just getting like those little things. You can start just doing little things better. And there's a compounding effect that will happen over time when you just start closing the gaps everywhere. So would you say like the best benefit with Improbonia is just getting that time back? What, What are the other things in your life that are better now because you use it? I mean, I really like it. Um, you know, one is getting my time back, but also, um, it's really great if, you know, when I do have a day off and all of a sudden I realize like, oh my gosh, I need to order blah, blah, blah for tomorrow. And I am nowhere near a computer yeah. you know, yeah. or like, you know, you're at dinner, like, excuse me, I have to go place my wine order. I'll be over here for the next 20 <laughs> like emailing all my different reps. I could just pull out my phone and just order it and I'm done. Wow. It's really, really great, um, and they're really lovely, and it's no cost to us. Wow, I mean that's that's pretty cool. I, I'm on. A, I, I'm really interested in this product. I've actually I've spoken to the folks over there. Uh, they actually told me that I should talk to you. That's how I found you. Um, so I'm really looking to explore this more, and maybe we can get them on the show sometime so we can all learn together how we can leverage this technology. So. The next question I have for you, or about to wrap up, is what's one piece of business advice? Uh, if you could go back in time to an uh, earlier version of yourself, before maybe when you're just making the decision to make this your career, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Um, I would say listen more. Um, you know, especially you know, I think that's the biggest thing I learned, like in business, but also just in my life in general. As I get older, is like just listen more. What um, can happen if you just listen more? Well, I mean, you hear what people are actually trying to say. They may not be saying it in like a way, in an overt way, in a very clear way, and for lots of reasons. You know, they don't want to offend somebody or they don't want to seem needy or, you know, whatever it is, you know. But if you listen more, you listen closely and you kind of figure out the whys of things, then you can be more responsive. And so, especially like, I mean, your co- coworkers, like, what are they really trying to tell you? You know, mm. if, you know, if they keep, asking off consistently like three days a, a week every week you know they're telling you they're working too much mm. you know they or you know or you know if a guess you know if a guess is constant you know kind of saying something about wine but not using adjectives that are helpful you know kind of just listen more you know ask some leading questions um so i just think that that's something and even in your personal life listen to what people are actually trying to say not just what they're saying yeah, I mean, so often if you just take the time to listen and really just, like, look for what is trying to be said, you can get to the bottom of things so much faster. And even that just makes for a more efficient life when you're just not beating around the bush and just listening to the, the pain points and the, the issues. Um, things just happen way faster, and I think that's a really great takeaway from a great way to wrap it up. Um, I mean, are there any questions I could have asked you that I didn't ask you, you know, that, that would have added more value to this interview? I don't know. I would think maybe asking like talking about like what's your career goal and you know why where you are how does that fit into it maybe would be kind of interesting so what's your career goal and how does this all fit into it um i would open my own restaurant um you know i've ever since i was a kid i always thought about having my own shop you know coming from a retail background um but now i definitely i want to have my own restaurant well 
please join our community of aspiring restaurant professionals looking to one day open their own place. I'd love to have you just hang out online, chit chat. That'd be fun. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So that's all we have. I mean, who's one aspiring restaurant professional you admire? Somebody you think would be a great guest mentor like you have for us today. Uh, Genevieve Villamora is pretty much everything I want to be in the world. (laughs) Her name is awesome. Genevieve Uh, Villanova. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Villamora. Villamora. Wow. That's that's impressive alone. (laughs) Tell, Tell me more about her. Genevieve is one of the co-owners of one of the newest and most successful restaurants right now in D.C. called Bad Saint. It's a Filipino restaurant. Um, she and her business partner, Nick, and their chef, Tom, are all Filipino, and, and they've made this restaurant as kind of an homage to their parents. Awesome. Um, the food is phenomenal. Uh, but really, I've known Genevieve for a little while now, and Genevieve is just the consummate host. In every single interaction she has with anyone in any circumstance, whether it's on the phone or in a dining room or going to the grocery store, I just, she is, she just embodies everything that I wish I could be all the time. Mm, Look out, Genevieve. I'm coming after you. You should, because I, yeah, I, (laughs) I learn something every time I even talk to her just over coffee, you know, I constantly feel like, I feel kind of like I stalk her a little bit (laughs) (laughs) during coffee. I'm like... It's like a what would Genevieve do? <laughs> when anything gets difficult, how would Genevieve handle this? Well, we're going to get her on the show. I can't wait to add her to the Melting Pot of Mentors, just like you were for us today. And let the folks at home know how to connect with you. Maybe they they're live in the D.C. area. Maybe they want to come join your team. Maybe you've inspired them. Uh, how can we connect? Um, you can email me at elizabeth at craneandturtledc.com, all spelled out. Um, or I'm on Twitter at Elizabeth Parker. Awesome. This is episode 190. So just head over to restaurant unstoppable slash 190. You'll find all the links to, uh, the recommendations Elizabeth had for us, as well as a summary of our discussion all right there and how you can connect with her. It will all be there in the show notes, restaurant unstoppable slash 190. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your stories There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks so much. I had a great time. Cheers. Whammo. Another episode done in the bags here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you again, Elizabeth Parker. You are awesome. I just love your passion and just your warmth and your desire to make people happy and how you use this industry as a way, as a catalyst for you just to to do that. And we can all learn something from you. And uh, we started talking at the end of this interview after we just finished up and we started talking a little bit more about technology and some life hacks. And Elizabeth had some great things to say, some more things to say about Blue Cart, formerly Improvonia, And also about some other things she's doing in her restaurant to save time and to be more productive and efficient using Google. And I didn't want to uh, keep this information from you. I thought you could benefit from this additional uh, conversation we had at the end of the interview. So here it is, a little something extra. Uh, We're going to go a little bit over the usual amount of time, but uh, it's worth it. So here it is, and I'll be back in just a little bit to wrap up. Uh, how do you get, how did you get really close with the folks over at, at Improvonia? My 
Okay, my roommate's a, a psalm here in town, and we have a lot of wine in our house. He and I were out grabbing a beer one time, and he was like, oh, I need to put in my wine order, and, like, whipped out his phone, and, like, was like, okay, all done. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's this app. You don't use this? And I was like, no, what the hell is that? Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and so he's like, oh, you should totally do it. I'm like. And so he, I was like, he's like, I'll send you their email address. I'm like, all right. And so then they set me up and I was like, well, this is great. Um, and then like, it was funny, actually, ironically, I was on, on my way to dinner at Bad St. Genevieve's restaurant and it was Labor Day and I just like, wasn't thinking and it was about to be five o'clock and I'm like, ah, dang it. I got to put these orders in. <laughs> and I was in the car with my best friend who's a psalm in another restaurant you just sound like an alcoholic. And um, <laughs> um, and I, like, we parked the car, and she was like, oh, I have to do mine, too. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, let's just sit here a minute and put our orders in. And I did mine really fast, and she was, like, sending out ten different emails. And she's like, what did you just do? And I was like, <laughs> so now, like, she got hooked up with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I really I, – any, any way you can just buy time in this industry, and you're not even buying it because it's a free service – I mean, yeah. I just get really excited about those things because I just, uh, I mean, I've learned a lot about systems and processes. And if you leverage, if you, and basically all technology is, is a system or a process that's been just like super fine tuned, like, and you just plug it into your restaurant and it just makes these little things. There's like little life hacks all over the place. And that's kind of like why I asked that technology question, because you can just buy so much more time back in your life. And that's probably the biggest challenge is just you know, for people, the biggest pain points is time, like not having enough time to go to the soccer game or like, but when you can like use these technologies, it it adds up over time. So it's really exciting. So I'm excited to get people talking about it on the show for sure. I'm sure someone's mentioned, I thought about doing it, but like Google drive for me, it's like, Oh man. Awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, thank God. But like I had somebody, I was working one night and I had someone spill like a glass of water across my laptop and I was doing inventory like I was, I was inputting all the numbers for inventory, and of course they freak out and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh. And all I could think of is like, thank God everything sits in Google Drive. Like, yes. thank God. Well, just for improving communication too. For example, I was working at this restaurant and trying to get them up and open, and I just convinced them to host all their training material, all their operations manuals, all their processes on Google Docs or Drive because now anybody with a Gmail account which is free has unlimited access to uh, these resources where they can, even if it's like changes to like the, the wine menu, like cheat sheets and stuff like that, you have no excuse. You have access to it. And it, it's instantly like you can update things instantly and no matter where you are, like you get the update. So you don't have to like sit waste time printing new sheets. You know, it's all right there in your phone. So people don't take advantage of these little life hacks. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really nice. Like, you know, we did put together a huge beverage, manual and so it's nice for the servers like if i'm not there you know if they you know like crap what grape is this they can like they go over on the ipad and just like log in and they go like oh okay you know yes and have that information for the like their guests really fast well i don't want to waste any more of your time i've already over an hour and you've been so generous with your time and your day off so thank you again uh i will be in touch and i really do appreciate you contributing to this melting pot of mentors Yes, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm excited. 
See, I thought that was totally worth sharing with you guys. I'm happy I hung on to it and shared it with you. So uh, that's all I have for today. If you guys want to connect with me, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Maybe you have a question about a service or a product that was mentioned on the show, or maybe you want to connect with one of our mentors. I can help you do that. Or maybe you just want to talk to me and get inspired, get motivated. Maybe you just need to pick me up because this is not easy. The work you're going to do is going to be hard and I've got tons of energy and I can help maybe pick you up and keep you going because I've got plenty of energy to go around. Anyway, uh, that's all I have for you today. Please don't forget to support this podcast by leaving an easy five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. There's a link in the show notes. You can find that in every episode. That link will be there if you want to support the show. You can also support the show just by using my links. Some of the services that are mentioned on the show are affiliates. That means I get a commission if you use my links to purchase something or if you say, hey, I heard about this on Restaurant Unstoppable, they'll give me a kickback. It's at no extra expense to you and it really helps me out with paying for the little you know expenses that come with hosting a podcast. And then lastly, you can support the show by just spreading the word. This is an incredibly free resource. I've tapped into the minds of some of the most successful restaurant professionals out there to be mentors to people like us who are aspiring to be great in this industry, who are getting into this industry for the right reasons, because they're passionate, because they like to make other people happy, because they want to engage with their community and do something special. If you are one of these people and you are just pumped up Join our community, get engaged, find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, uh, connect with me. Let's let's start a movement around independent restaurants and people who care and are in this industry for the right reason. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Uh, I will shut up now, I promise. <laughs> Until next time, peace out. <laughs>